For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra. And here we are. It's the first episode of season two. Man, it's good to be back. What a wild ride last season was. And now just fast forward 40 episodes later, the Super Bowl is over and it's officially softball season. And we have some updates for the show. I'm super excited to share. So you can follow the show on social media now. We're on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. We also have video thrilled about this. You can subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube to watch the episodes this season too. By the way, did you hear that music? Actually an original composition written by my dad and my lifelong softball coach, Richard Becerra. I always feel like with all of these things that are coming together this season, I'm playing Beyonce's Upgrade You song in my head and honestly on my phone all the time. We're just on another level now. But with all that being said, now let's go through today's order. So first we'll cover our bases. I'll share some news and updates in the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview and it's with none other than Sherry Kempf. She's had a hand in every elite level of softball, especially the pro community. And she's also a big voice of college softball as well. So I'm thrilled to kick off the season with her. And then we'll end things with the foul tip of the week. So this is actually a new segment For those loyal listeners, it's a twist on our previous double play tip of the week segment, you know and love, where we covered both mental and physical tips for getting better. But this one's a little bit more simplified and a little bit more fun. And the concept comes from really the idea that foul tips on the field, foul balls, keep us alive in our at-bats. Even if we just miss, they bring us that one step closer to getting that hit. And not every swing is perfect. No player is perfect. No person is perfect, but we keep at it and we keep getting our foul tips along the way. So I'll share one foul tip each week starting today. All right, let's dive in. Covering our bases. Football's over. Like I said, softball's starting. We know that, but don't forget the NBA college basketball and the NHL are all in full swing as well. And the only place that you should be betting on these sports is at betonline.ag. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, and honestly, like, come on, let's be honest, your girls watch Bravo, E, MTV, and I know I'm not alone. BetOnline also has hundreds of props with real-time odds on almost anything you can imagine, and of course, the 24-hour online casino. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's BetOnline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So yes, make sure you get caught up on all that goodness. And now let's also catch up on what else has been happening since season one. First, I want to take a quick step back 
and talk about women making history in sports across the board. More women than ever before were in on-field positions during the Super Bowl. That's insane. Like Sarah Thomas officiating, but there were also scouts, trainers, and actual coaches. I mean, it's just freaking awesome. And then you look at baseball. The Red Sox hired the first Black woman to ever coach professional baseball, Bianca Smith. Amazing. And that's on the heels of the first female general manager, Kim Ng, that we also heard recently. Just phenomenal. And then if we switch over to basketball, Fran Belibi from Stanford Women's Basketball was dunking in Pac-12 games. And then there's Tara Vanderveer becoming the winningest coach in women's college basketball. And then got a shout out to Stanford a little bit more. Jessica Mendoza being in the booth calling the World Series. This is all phenomenal. We know and love Mendoza as a college commentator as well. And that brings me to all of the softball updates. So yes, college, it is opening weekend. Gosh, it feels good to say that. After being cut so short in 2020, we're back, we're here. Um, The preseason NCAA D1 rankings are out. UCLA is at the top, no surprise. They're the most recent champs in 2019. But really the, the landscape overall is, is pretty consistent, pretty expected from what we normally see. So there's five Pac-12 teams, nine SEC teams, four Big 12 teams, four ACC, two Big 10, and one AAC team. Now, what I feel is interesting, all but one team are Power 5 teams. So please, shout out to UCF. They're the ones who made it for breaking through and representing the AAC I love to see that growth in softball. I I mean, I love the power five, having come from it myself as a player, but there's so much talent across the country. Also, the fact that the top three slots with UCLA, Washington, and Arizona are all Pac-12, it sort of feels like, in a sense, the Pac-12 of old, like a resurgence for this conference, sort of building back on UCLA's most recent win. The SEC has for sure dominated in recent years, but the Pac-12 is just so historic, and I feel like there may be there may be a little bit of a comeback here. I'm excited to see it. A little biased too, but that's fine. Then there's also, of course, the balance of the SEC. The fact that nine teams, nine out of 13 teams are ranked like right away, right off the bat. And it's not a surprise, you know, all 13 teams made it into postseason in recent years too, but it's just showing you what the spread is like in that conference. It really is stacked. The number is also growing for ACC representation. Obviously, Florida State's championship in 2018 was huge, and I give a lot of credit to Lonnie Alameda for coaching the team then up till now, like throughout this entire time. But also one of our previous guests, Megan King, who pitched that team to the championship and really helped turn the tide for ACC softball. Love to see it. And speaking of the ACC... Duke made the list. They slid right in there at 25. And again, this is really growth as a new member of the ACC. It's only been a few years since they've been in this conference. And I really, really think we got to keep our eye on them and head coach Marissa Young. There's some good stuff to be had from that program. And, you know, with preseason comes a ton of preseason awards and those have been released. I will say I'm not a believer in these. I feel like preseason awards tend to be Players getting recognized for either past performances they were probably already awarded for or what people think they're going to do this season. And I just feel like that's kind of a lot of hype. Like we need to just let it happen on the field and see what goes down, in my opinion. So lots going on in the college softball world. So excited to watch this weekend. 
hopefully we get more of a season this year than last. But of course, we're also looking forward to the Olympics. And officials have previously stated that they would go forward in Tokyo with or without COVID. And it's right now planned for July 23rd to August 8th, 2021. However, there are some rising cases of COVID-19 and concern about whether it can be put on safely in Japan just a few months from now and what the protocols will be. But as you know, I mean, for softball, 13 years since the last Olympics, six teams are going, have qualified. Obviously, Japan, USA, Canada, Mexico, Australia, and Italy. And they've all already dealt with the agony of one postponement. And, you know, the players that came on the show say it's the pinnacle of their lives, like not just their softball careers, but really their lives. It's such an honor to represent your country, and it's the biggest stage to do it. So we really, we root for them. We also root for the health of the world at the same time. So we're going to keep a very close watch on all the updates there. But if we take a look at the pro landscape, so National Pro Fast Pitch, the NPF season was actually already canceled way ahead of time. And this is the second season in a row and it, and it is due to COVID related issues. I mean, it's logistics and finances. It's just very difficult to put on these events safely. And so they're, they're bowing out. And a lot of the teams in the MPF actually were basically the international teams that we would see in the Olympics as well. And, and that forum really helped them prepare for the international stage. So not having that will be interesting too. But we do have Athletes Unlimited set for season two in August. Really excited for this. I mean, we've already seen some players have announced that they will be back. And some season one Believe in Softball guests too. Kat Osterman, Victoria Hayward, Erica Pioncastelli, Hannah Flippin, Daniel O'Toole, as well as some other folks, Jesse Warren, Alicia Ocasio, Haley McClenney, Megan Wiggins, and Haley Wagner. And really, if, if you look at that list, it's pretty much the top tier performers from the inaugural season. And it's going to be Kat's last dance before retirement. So honestly, just absolutely epic. I cannot wait. But what's also going to be epic is today's guest. So let's head into the interview. She's a senior director at Athletes Unlimited, former National Pro Fast Pitch Commissioner, broadcaster and instructor and Hall of Fame player, Sherry Kemp. Thank you for joining. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for uh, tracking me down. No, it was, it's been worth it. I will tell you already. We're only maybe 30 seconds in and I already think it's worth it. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I've been super excited to have you on. I mean, I feel like even the the intro that I just gave for you really only scratches the surface in terms of everything that you've done and that you still do for softball. So it makes me want to ask you kind of right off the bat, you've really dedicated your life to this sport. And I want to know really why, like, what is it about softball that makes you wake up in the morning and choose it every day? You know, um, so such an interesting question. So I would go back to, to playing. You know, I played softball because I loved it. Um, I have been able to stay involved in softball by the grace of God, right? To, to be put in a place where uh, you, you are doing something that you love doing and working towards a cause that you feel is important. And I will tell you this, Jenna, that for a long time, 
uh, it was softball, you know, even from, cause I played into, till I was 30 years old. So even into uh, my early thirties. So, um, and, and a lot of times during that, I had jobs to support that playing. I, I, you know, I just wanted to keep doing that. So everything in my life was centered around it. So it was still the love for softball. And shortly after I retired from playing, I was instructing. So it was still about the game. But early on in being the NPF commissioner and at the same time morphing into covering college softball on television, it became very much about women and the causes uh, of trying to help elevate opportunities for women and to create a space um, for women that doesn't exist, that still doesn't exist. That equal opportunity does not exist. So it, 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 be, it morphed into that. And I think that was so much uh, of a bigger uh, cause to put your arms around and a valuable one. So um, it, it's, I, I consider myself fortunate to, have, to be in this space and to be able to stay in it. I'll tell you that. Well, we're definitely appreciative that you have, that's for sure. And with that being said, in terms of the, that goal of really elevating women, with all the different things that you've done, you know, running leagues, broadcasting, instructing, everything you mentioned, playing, what has been the most rewarding in terms of accomplishing that goal? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of what we were able to do in the National Pro Fast Pitch League. It was um it was far from perfect um we always i think uh you know never knew what the next year was gonna bring but to be able to keep professional softball so we really took the baton from the coles family and the wpsl uh that really started really breathed life into professional fast pitch again in the early 90s we were able to take that baton from them in 2004 with uh, the National Pro Fast Pitch League, and then I became commissioner in 2007, and and keep professional softball um, going. and And I saw that um, extend the careers and uh, of, of many great players, and that's satisfying for. Uh, the players that they were able to to play at such a high level for so long it's satisfying for the fans that you're really able to watch something that's special and and in that being to see an athlete reach her true potential um, which is not always the case with women so I, I I'm very proud of all of that because it took some real special people um, it was a small group of people who were really rowing in the same direction for that, but um, it was, uh, I guess it was the challenge and then, and, and then really answering the bell on that. Um, and I would say to you, um, when you, you threw in playing uh, into that too, it's being rewarding. You know, playing is in such a category of its own. And playing is playing, there's nothing like it. Um, you never get over missing it, I, I don't think, and, and that competition, but um, uh, so I would separate those for sure. Um, but it, it's always also, I think, playing is, a, there's a lot of self-gratification in playing, and I think uh, being the commissioner and um, 
Working in professional softball was uh, a lot more about everybody else, which um, I think as a human, that's, that's where we're supposed to be. Absolutely. But I think that's a great point you said, and I tend to agree, which is that we just, we're never over it. (laughs) Even when we're done playing, there's that competitive part. There's that team, team aspect, the community aspect, like there's just really nothing Nothing like like it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's so true. And I can see that anyone who loves softball and who sticks around in the community, which is pretty much everybody takes that into whatever it is that they do after their playing career too. And I think you're an example of that. So I think, you know, I would say too, that in, in the NPF, you know, when, on the, when you had the individual teams, um, you know, that's its own thing. There's a lot of competition and there's a lot of, uh, you know, just, just bowing up and going head to head. When we were in the NPF, we had a, something called a back to school tour. And it was where we took that all-star team and toured around and you really saw joy. And I would, I would transfer that to modern day um, what you said, all the thing you said about the teamwork and the, you know, the camaraderie and the friendships and all of that. That's what we got to see with Athletes Unlimited, which was, uh, again, huge blessing to be able to witness that firsthand, uh, such an amazing community uh, that came together to launch that first season. So fun, honestly, like just to watch to cover it. I had several, several, a lot actually of Athletes Unlimited players come on the show and just gush about it. Like they were just so happy. And not only because it's such a special format and what a great way to bring all these top players together, but also even with all the tough trials of 2020, what a bright spot for them as players, but then for the fans, just for everybody, like, thank goodness for Athletes Unlimited in 2020. I mean, because we, we were missing softball a lot. Yeah, and I think that the credit goes to so many people in, in that organization. It always, it always uh, starts with Jonathan Soros and John Petrikoff. But, you know, Anna Drucker was our person who, who really day in and day out, first of all, organized all the testing that we needed. Uh, and then really, you know, lived it, strained through it. And, you know, every time you have 56 players getting tested, you're crossing your fingers and hoping that everything that you've put together um, is effective. And so there were a lot of people, our agency partners uh, were tremendous in that experience. But I think um, not not to say that I have anything that any anyone else didn't have. There were a lot of people that put a lot of um, blood, sweat, and tears into that. But being in the space and watching athletes not have that and then see them have it and to see, you know, it was so easy to feel and see and witness how much fun they were having and how joyful they were. And at the same time, competing as hard as they could possibly compete. And so it brought together all of that. If you love seeing amazing athletes compete at the highest level and then see them experience something for the first time, you know, it's like tasting ice cream uh, and seeing and getting to see somebody do that. Um, it, it was special. It's one of the special uh, periods of my life, no doubt. And very special that softball got to kick off what the larger initiative of Athletes Unlimited is too. It's just a cool thing for our sport to get that honor, which, which is great. I mean, I think it's set up success for 
the other sports, volleyball, lacrosse that are coming in down the pipeline too, because in women's sports, softball and the pro level isn't always given the credit that it's due, but that's the case across all sports. And so to see all the sports come together to do exactly what you said at the beginning, which is elevate women. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool to see that camaraderie. And I think it was a, I think it was a smart move to launch with softball. Softball enjoys a lot of popularity right now. You have a big audience and you saw that, you know, we should never um, ignore the response that we felt from the fans. And, you know, that's, uh, that's something that it, you never know either. But I think that uh, we, ha- you know, we have an, a, a tremendous content team internally that was churning constantly making sure that people that weren't there could feel the experiences that were happening there. And we tried to convey that um, through our broadcasts in every, every way that we possibly could. And I know socially, the players were, were doing that. And you just, if you're following along, you just can't miss the fact, uh, the truth in that, the true sentiment that's being relayed. So I think all of that was fun. I loved seeing the volleyball players, um, you know, supported as well. And you're going to see that. The softball players are waiting for volleyball and they're waiting for lacrosse. And I, I think that's something that we're going to see that's going to be super special um, as well is, is this larger, which you just alluded to, this larger community uh, right now of women. You know, Athletes Unlimited is, is not a gender-specific platform, but right now it, it is women's sports that we're seeing, thank goodness. Uh, and, uh, but I, I think that you're going to, you know, there's going to be some really cool things that um, the Athletes Unlimited organization is able to put together and launch that are going to be special and unique that no one's ever seen at the professional level before. It's super exciting. And really, we've already touched on this. We've been going in this direction already, but I want to ask you directly, which is uh, after 20 years of being so heavily involved in the NPF, what made you say yes to Athletes Unlimited? Um, the enablement, uh, the opportunity. Um, the National Pro Fast Pitch League, it's its no secret that there's a lot of uncertainty around that league um, just because of, uh, you know, the the requirements that are that COVID placed in, in the 2020 season and that it appears it's going to place again, uh, requirements for testing. And um, I think that put even a greater strain on a league that, that already financially um, had its challenges. So I think... For me, um, I, I was a consultant for a long time with Athletes Unlimited, and so to see the way it was being put together and the, the team, the strength of the team um, from our agency partners, everything from um, the public relations side to the marketing side and brand partnerships, and then just internally, I mentioned our content team and the support that you see from um, from our uh, ownership and, and, and the whole group of people that have been put together, I think that I've said it before, I think it's the best uh, opportunity that women have had in professional sports that, since the uh, NBA put their arm around the WNBA and really put that out there. And we've seen um, what can happen um, with that type of support. So I think, um, you know, I was given the opportunity to, to be a part of it. And it's, it was something that I, I felt was going to be special. 
And it seemed like all the players that I talked with felt that really from early on. Like there's almost this like warm, fuzzy feeling of, yes, this feels right to do this. Even before the pandemic, when people like Victoria Hayward, you know, were already on board to, to lead this thing. And even from the people who kind of joined last minute, like Morgan Howe, she said she kind of got the call like in the summer, right before the fall season. But it was such a cool way to see such a diverse group of softball athletes as well, because you had people who are fresh out of college, like Morgan. Then you had Kat Osterman, who's 37 and beating everybody per usual, right? It's just not only was it the the environment itself, but also the people, I feel like that really elevated that environment to the next level, if that makes sense. Yeah, I think everything, uh, you know, big kudos to the players, big kudos to the player executive committee who you mentioned um, with Victoria Hayward uh, as chairperson of that, Gwen Savekas, Haley Wagner, um, Sam Fisher and Jasmine Jackson rounded that out. And I'll tell you, they, they were tremendous. Um, they had a lot on their shoulders. They had a lot of responsibility, which they embraced and uh and really did we couldn't have asked uh for better um delivery uh from that facet of athletes unlimited than than we got from them and they they set a tremendous example for every pec moving forward but i think that um when you talk about the diversity of the players and personalities and think that again it's one of the it's one of the special aspects and when you saw the interaction with um with our team um the staff and you know let's not leave out the the staff at rosemont and what they uh really from everything from a venue from the stadium to the dome to them just those humans that really said we want this to be the best experience you can have and i would say that I haven't seen every single interview you did with players, but that's what you feel. You know, you just walked into somebody's house and everybody is making sure you're comfortable and that you have something to drink and eat. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm using it as, as an example, but it, that's how it was. And you didn't have to, as a player, I don't think you wanted for much and you were treated as a, a professional and someone who was special and, and they reciprocated that. Um, very much in, in everything that they did. So um, at the end of it, it's all centered around players. And that was the joy that we got out of it, quite frankly, I think as fans and as, as you know, members of the team of Athletes Unlimited. The staff is, it has to, it, it cannot be overstated how important that that is. Absolutely. I mean, honestly, as somebody who, you know, it's a pandemic, I didn't get to go live to any of these games, but from the broadcasts and the content, the content was really top tier. You've mentioned that team a couple of times with good reason, because honestly, everything that I could have possibly wanted was available to me, whether that was through social media, even watching the drafts. And, and I know you emceed the drafts as well. And such a cool experience to really get into the weeds and see the strategy and really see up close what made this league and will continue to make this league so unique. Yeah. And I think it was, uh, you know, all of that was very intentional and that's, that's what I'm talking about. It's not just, of course, it's, it's financial. Of course you have to have uh, the ability to put things forth, 
but it is about the strategy. It is about the conversation. We're doing it right now with volleyball and lacrosse to talk about how to make those, everything you're, you're saying, the draft, the competition, the broadcast, how to make those as enjoyable and as engaging and as informative as we possibly can. And, and then I think you, you, you have a special group of people in, on the content side that uh, some of whom are, you know, can tell you stats and backgrounds and personalities of our players, which is important. And some people who are just gifted creatively uh, to, to show you, uh, to shoot the content and to edit it and to deliver it then. And so I think, but all of that, nothing was an accident. Um, I think it was all, it, it, you know, you saw the results of, of good planning and a, a good uh, outline and a strategic outline to uh, make fans a priority. And I think, you know, I think watching that process happen, it's more, you know, I think sometimes fans eat what they're fed uh, and, and, and that's how I think sometimes properties look at it. We're gonna feed them this and they're gonna consume it. And I can tell you with Athletes Unlimited, that is not the strategy. It never is. It is what do fans want? How can we meet them where they are and, and deliver things that they want? And I think as the property grows, you'll see more and more and more of that. And as brands come in and contribute more to that commentary, hey, our people, our consumers, our uh, customers want this type of a thing. And I think when you see that partnership, again, um, you're, you're gonna see some really special things and really innovative things. That's very true. And I, I going back to something you said too, which is that really open arms welcome for, for these players and for Athletes Unlimited in general by the bandits, you know, in their facility. And I felt, I felt like it was very, not only logistically did it make sense, but just very poetic that, you know, the only facility that's specifically built really for professional women's sports was hosting a league like this. And it's cool to see that kind of camaraderie between different organizations. So the MPF kind of collaborating with Athletes Unlimited, obviously that came from the top down with you, but a very cool thing to see also that like Lauren Lappin, for example, the head coach of the bandits is one of the facilitators for athletes unlimited. Like I just really appreciated that crossover and that willingness to work together. It was great to see. You appreciated it. And I appreciated it. <laughs> and, and you know what? And, and quite frankly, it shouldn't be unique, but, but it is. And and I think that coming from a team sport background, anybody that's played team sports or a large percentage of us, that's what we like. We wanna put our arms around each other and you realize that your experience individually is elevated anytime it's shared among the group and you have that, that experience. And so I think that's, that's one of the most difficult things from, that was always one of the most difficult things in the National Pro Fast Pitch League was, and in our sport in general, there's a lot of um, separation and uh, a lot of uh, competitiveness that should not exist, uh, really, quite frankly, and the sport has suffered historically because of it. Uh, but 
that was another thing with Athletes Unlimited that I think was special. I think they ha have gone uh, out of their way to be welcoming and to make sure that they, you know, I know that's that was my initial conversation with John Patrickoff was all about how can the National Pro Fast Pitch League cooperate with this endeavor you're taking on and um, that was why he reached out as he reaches out to so many people. And so, um, you know, we were, we were happy to do that. If you saw the national uh, pro fast pitch sites all through the athletes unlimited, you know, we were shooting clips and, and uh, social media posts and things like that to try to engage. And that's credit to the NPF staff. Um, but that's to me, that's where you want to be. That's the warm, fuzzy feeling. Um, it's not about, it's not about, being the only person on top of the mountain. So, um, you know, I think we should, we should try to, we should always be trying to elevate each other. Absolutely. And I think the, honestly, the product itself, meaning the elite level of play that you see also is bettered because of that. I think, for example, you know, with the MPF, when I had Sasha Palacios on the show, she said almost verbatim, the reason we qualified as Team Mexico for the Olympics is because of the MPF and essentially that level of competition. And other folks I've talked to too, like Daniel Laurie was like, yeah, man, it's a grind. It's tough. Like these are some tough lineups I'm going up against. I remember I talked to Alyssa Haber who has been out of the, out of the game for a while, but like, you know, was on Nutribus Pride at the time back in that day. And she was like, yeah, it was difficult. You know, I was hitting like a buck something when I first started. And, I remember and that. Yeah. And she was like, people, she was like, were people looking at me like, why am I on Team USA? You know, but then she settled in, of course, but it's, it's not easy in a good way. Like you really grind it out and have to hone your skills. And that's what well, was a consistent theme. You're, it's, it's great to hear that. And I can tell you, uh, if you go to the Palacios um, story, I can tell you exactly where I was when I heard Mexico qualified uh, because it was, it was so monumental that they did. And I will tell you that I too, and I, I didn't sharpen anybody's, uh, you know, skills. I was never out there, but I did feel like uh, their involvement in the NPF changed a lot for their preparation and, and the team that they were going into the qualifier. But I feel that for um, I feel that for every player that's that was in the NPF, and and that's why I say that was important. It's iron that sharpens iron, right? It's not it's it's not cotton. And so if you're going to get better, you have to challenge yourself day in and day out. And that's uh, that's you know always what you you know that's that's the roadblock for women that when you stop being able to compete at the highest level, you, you see women leave the game. And, and that's, that's unfortunate. So that's hopefully what we're on the verge of changing. Agreed. And I know you mentioned that before too, where it's like sometimes for women, especially, they don't get a chance to truly meet their real potential because maybe they, they leave the game before they really reach that. And that's actually a theme that came up with a lot of athletes and limited players too. Morgan Howe was actually another, I've mentioned her before, but she mentioned that too, where she's like, I want to play. I want to keep going. And, you know, Hannah Flippin talked about how, you know, Megan Wiggins is, is out there raking in Athletes Unlimited and she's, you know, 10 years out of college. And imagine if she didn't do that, right? And Kat's uh, call to action for everybody to keep playing because her and Megan Wiggins kept playing and that's what helped them be able to keep playing. That's the kind of energy 
that helps the sport grow. And I feel like Athletes Unlimited just, it was just this perfect storm of positivity, really, <laughs> that allowed for this to happen. And then yeah. it's going to, the effects are going to be seen, I think, across in the Olympics, um, like with all the players, you know, six Team Mexico girls, they're, they're going to take that experience on to the Olympics. You know, Erica Piancastelli, like had an amazing showing and she's going to take that to Team Italy. It's just, it's so cool that it's, it was, you know, it was five weeks, <laughs> but the effects are going to be so much longer than that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with you. And I, Erica Piancastelli, there's not a better example than her, right? We've all known, if you're a softball person, you know that Piancastelli deserves to be one of the 56. You know that she's a top player and top competitor, but there's a lot of people that she proved a whole lot to in, in those five weeks. And uh, I think she didn't even start the first game. So, she didn't. you know, here she came as a, a, you know, a primo person, one of the, one of the ones standing at the end. So, uh, you know, and that it's, it's an intangible, right? What that does for you. I think that Piancastelli will step up to the plate in the Olympics every time with an enormous amount of confidence, uh, which a lot that was contributed and built in the Athletes Unlimited uh, season. And she, she has to. And if she doesn't, I hope she calls me and I'll tell her that she, <laughs> come on, you know, look, <laughs> look at what you accomplished. But um, I think, you know, those are things that are, um, that you carry with you. They become part of your fabric. And anytime that um, you're able to compete and excel and just be around that experience, um, it's going to be a contributor. It definitely will. And I think it felt like 2020 in a lot of ways was going to be the year of softball. You know, there was athletes unlimited and we actually got to have that, which is great, but we didn't get the Olympics. We didn't get the NPF season. We didn't get to finish the college season. So now things are, are kind of just being pushed to 2021 and, and that's okay. Um, as long as we still get to do these things, fingers crossed, but it's one of those things where, for elite softball, there really is the pro landscape that we've been talking about, the Olympics, and then there's college as well. I think in terms of, if you look at the whole landscape of it and how the whole system works right now, if you had to summarize, what are you happy with and what would you like to still see done? Well, I'm, I'm happy with college softball. And I think that in, in every aspect, college softball, has uh, proven not only the legitimacy of softball as a sport, but the legitimacy of women playing a sport and being as entertaining, taking a rightful spot. When you see in a normal year, when you see college games go up against regular seats, you can take a lower level uh, conference matchup and it can outrate a regular season MLB game head to head. It can outrate regular season NHL game head to head. So what college softball showed us was that um, we had a spot there and we, we could hold that spot. And then I think you saw all the great things around that. So we saw the support from colleges. We saw that in the funding. We saw that in prioritizing and also 
uh, we saw it in facilities, right? So just amazing um, venues that have been built for that. Um, so I think that ha is such an amazing lead for us. Um, but in, in professional sports, that's where we still lack so much. So when you are in college, um, and also when you add the Olympic sport funding category to softball, which is what, hap what happened to softball in 96 when, you know, everything started, um, yeah. was that brand, that Olympic sport category brand. So that gets into the funding that's automatic, right? Thanks to Title IX. Um, you don't have to have any outside support. When you get into that professional landscape, you need broadcast television and you need corporate America. Uh, and I think that is, therein lies the crux. And you, we haven't crossed over yet to there. In spite of the fact that we've proven ourselves and proven ourselves, uh, we still don't have uh, corporate America chomping at the bit. So I think with everything, again, and I think I'm fortunate enough uh, to be able to sit in a spot where I see research and see conversation and, and feel the sentiment, and to some degree, everyone. You can feel the sentiment even in the news media that we're prioritizing women a bit more and changing um, the, the commentary around that women. But I think that um, that's what has to change. And I think we have to get over that hump and when we do, uh, you're going to see uh, women at the professional level. You know, think about it. We've, we haven't had women's professional volleyball. No one can even say when that's been in the United States. It's kind of an if ever. Uh, women's professional lacrosse, as you know, we, have, we had one year of a professional league of that. And so I think that this is uh, earth shattering. This is a game changer. And you want people to get on board and see the value in it and see that you can, the, the barrier of entry here is much less uh, than the major competition on the men's side. And you just, you know, you hope that that's what happens and that again, elevates everybody exponentially. Do you think there's an opportunity given that the Olympics are in Japan and with the success of the pro league in Japan and to your point, the corporate backing that exists there with Toyota and all, and all these other teams. Is there an opportunity for us to sort of capitalize on that as a sport, given that it's all going to kind of culminate this year? Listen, I'm, I've been alive long enough. So uh, <laughs> to, to see what happened, it was like a lot of people right now who caught on to the popularity of college softball, believe that college softball was the beginning. It wasn't the Olympics were the beginning in yep. everything, in why people cared to pay for their children who were girls to learn skill development, take hitting lessons, take pitching lessons at the very essence. The whole crux in that, the re there, I always tell people, there was no SEC softball before 96. So that mm. was the first year of SEC softball. And the reason they added was because softball suddenly became an Olympic sport. So it was the Olympics that led the way. Olympic years, the four times we were in it, they're special. That's when we saw our dream team on the cover of Sports Illustrated. At news like we've never seen, our players were on night talk shows. And 
in daytime talk shows, Oprah, name it. And so the Olympics always changes everything. The Olympics are special, they're unique, and they also sort of roll out these very long coattails. And if you're in a position to jump on, um, it changes things. And that's what college softball did. College softball said, that looks like fun. We're count us in. And then from there, um, you know, they helped explode it in, in their own special way. You're right. I still, to this day, have the Sports Illustrated magazine with the dream <laughs> so team. On cover. The real dream team, which I loved. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So on, it was so on point. I loved it. And I love that you brought that up because it, it really was kind of just the embodiment of exactly what you're talking about. Like, wow, softball had this kind of platform. Like, let's get back there again, but not just back. Let's go forward with that, yeah. you know? Yeah, no question about it. And it just has the ability to do that, to really propel any sport really all of a sudden we're, we're we're you know riveted by curling you know and then it becomes a different part of your life so it's um it's it's cool and what it's it, the possibility of what it can do to elevate players and popularity is um you know you can go back through it there's a lot of special players but once you put that olympic brand on them they're something else it's very true and it's, it's an interesting, I mean, you, you have worn USA as well. So you understand what that's like to have that on your shoulders or on your team's shoulders to represent a country like that. Yeah, I think too, that's, it's something that um, I know in the NPF, I was faced with it a lot as commissioner uh, with the kind of the constant um, push and pull uh, between the league for some reason and USA softball. And I always said, you know, pulling that jersey over my head was one of the proudest moments of my life. It's something you can't describe to people. So what kind of a hypocrite would I be to sit as commissioner of the professional league and, and be against USA softball? So I, I do think, and, and I'm so happy, and I'll, I'll tell you just this engagement that we've seen with um, our, our Canadians, what we got to see with the crossover for, you know, Team Canada and, uh, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Mexico and we have Australia, softball Australia in the league and we had the Chinese softball team in the league for, uh, you know, three years really trying to prepare for that and unfortunately they, they did not qualify but it is special to see these players. I'm so proud of the players that we have on Team Canada and the players that we have on Team Mexico. And those, a lot of those went to our, you know, American colleges and universities and have lived their whole lives here. Um, you have a lot of dual citizens and things like that. Um, and I think, you know, I don't care what jersey you're wearing. If you have the heritage for that country and that's in your family, uh, have at it and go, so, you know, all more power to you. And I think I'm so proud of all the players, our Team USA players included, but the players that are going to participate, and I'm with you, my fingers are crossed, but I'm optimistic, that are going to compete in the Olympics and, and have that, um, you know, unforgettable experience as part of their, their life. Yeah, I agree. And I, you mentioned that, you know, that opportunity can really propel kind of the college players that we see, but com 
propel them into being faces of softball, essentially. And I think it already has, even though we didn't actually get to see the Olympics this year, just the buildup after what's now going to be 13 years, you know, we're all, we're ready for this and we're ready to watch them. But it makes sense to me that you see, to your point, these women who maybe grew up in the States and went to colleges here that, but then represent other countries. It's like, but this is also the US, you know, this is a very diverse country Mm -hmm. that we live in. So really it is still, it makes sense. Like it's representative of what we see in the college scene, but we just see it a little bit differently on an international stage. Yeah, you're exactly right. And you know, it's the popularity that you get to see with like the world baseball classic that's become this, you know, monster event. Uh, but I, I've been to that and it is, it is special because you have these players who are on clearly on American professional uh, baseball teams in Major League Baseball, but they're, they're from another country or they have roots in another country. And you get to see these factions of people come into the stadium and it's like nothing else. You know, it is this moment where you're representing something that's much bigger than just a university or just your travel team or just your city. And you're, you're really representing your country and it's, uh, it's indescribable. Uh, but it is something, I don't think you have to be a player to feel it. I think we all feel it as fans once we hit the Olympics or once we see you sit in the stands at the World Baseball Classic or World Championships, uh, anything. Uh, so I think, um, you know, I think that is a, a really cool aspect. And it's one that I was really proud of in the NPF. And I'm really proud of in Athletes Unlimited because I think you're going to continue to see that diversity. I think you're going to continue, maybe even, uh, hopefully, even we will see more players, more international players. I think um, Athletes Unlimited wants to represent the very best players in the world. And so I, I, I think after 2020, that you're, you will see even more um, integration of some of those great, great players. Yeah, I think that the future certainly is bright. And I, I'm really excited for that. And I think it's great to know that because softball in college has the attention that it does, like that is the future that will then hopefully funnel into this international presence. Like hopefully there are more international players that are coming to play college in the States. So that would be fantastic. Um, And, but kind of taking a step back there with college softball, you know, you've been calling games for decades, but you know, obviously this last year has also been completely unprecedented as we've discussed. So what do you think we can expect from the college season in 2021? I, I think it's just such a question mark. And I, I think that it's just like anything else, you know, that we, we look at the holidays approaching. Well, what are we doing? Where are we going? And everything's such just kind of upside down. Um, I hope for them. I'll, I'll tell you that I was just talking with someone yesterday about the challenges that college programs are facing and no one, you know, I think everybody, uh, you know, you, you're pulling for no one to lose their senior season or any season really. Um, but the complications, think about it. Think about if 2021, if the same thing would happen and then you would have two classes of players kind of stuck in that, snow globe 
you know, just sort of floating around waiting, putting their lives on hold, trying to get their eligibility in. And, and the complications that, that, that the trickle down effect of that on, you know, seventh graders and eighth graders right now. And because that's going to be something that will affect college softball rosters for at least four years. Yeah. And if we go into 2021, so I hope that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are, that are being able to pull it off successfully right now and compete. And I think as long as people um, are prudent and do, do what they can do and what they should do um, to be responsible, uh, I, I, I'm hopeful uh, that, that college softball will see a season uh, complete this year and a championship and a trophy raise. Yes, uh, I hope so, because it, it was tough not having the World Series. I mean, one of my favorite weeks is actually, I love Super Regionals for mm -hmm. some reason. Like, I don't, I think it might be just like the format that it's in. It's like you're trying to get to Oklahoma City. That is what you think about throughout all of fall ball, all the season leading up to it. I mean, at Stanford, when we would come up after weights, you know, we say OKC on three, you know, like that's, yeah. that's what you do. And so there's something special about that too, and just postseason overall and the fact that we even get to see so many more regional games fantastic but it, it was tough not having it I mean it was nice though because I felt like in in 2020 the the four or five weeks that we did have college softball were phenomenal so that was at least something we could hold on to until athletes unlimited <laughs> yeah it was strong out of the box I'm gonna ask you a question though you just because that's it's interesting and again I'm old enough that um, I, I called the only regional that ESPN had on one season. It was at um, UCLA and uh, it was before Supers. So I'm old enough to watch Supers come in and, and become a thing. But don't you think that part of the, the, the appeal of Super Regionals, and, and, and this speaks to the sport too, is so in regionals, you've got your automatic qualifiers and some things like that. So you've got some, you've got some problems that you, you know that you're not just thinking any of these 64 people can emerge. But in supers, it really is. You have your favorites, but it really is anybody's win. And so I think that's the cool thing about it. Maybe, I don't know, yes. you'd have to speak for yourself, but that's every time you turn it on, you know, either one of these teams could go. Yes. And I think any upsets that come from supers are even more exciting because of where they're going next too. But yes, I agree. I remember um, that this is still a little bit of a sore subject because during my time at Stanford, we went to super regionals twice. We were one out away from winning both times, lost both times. So there's uh. that, but we won't go too deep into that. My teammates and I are still <laughs> scarred, but but the fact that, you know, one of those times was we were in Alabama and we had actually won the first game. And I remember some of the locals, you know, because everyone cares about it, which is also great about the SEC. But they were like, man, you guys came into town and just caused all kinds of trouble, didn't you? And we were like, yeah, we're going to the World Series. And it didn't work out. But just, just that atmosphere and even like being able to do it on somebody else's turf, people can do that too. Yeah. It's really cool. And that's actually something that's great about softball as a sport, I think, compared to maybe like football, for example, is there is so much more parity. Like anyone can win on any given day. The game does not know who's supposed to win. You have to show up and you have to execute. And that's what I like about it. So yes, I would agree with you. Super regionals is exciting for that reason. It's just yeah. anything can happen. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the truth. At that stage, 
if you're if you're if you think your ticket's punched, I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're the best team in the country. If you if you're making an assumption at that point, you could you could be ending it that weekend. So it's a lot of fun though. It's a, and you know that's the thing. That's that's the thing about softball that people uh, in in general uh, understand the game and can follow along and can have some degree of expertise when they talk about it, regardless if you played it or didn't. And then when you go into college softball and you see the depth and the parity that exists uh, with the depth, I think it just sets up a really uh, great tournament. And Oklahoma City is, has its own magic, clearly. Uh, you know, it doesn't take you long to be in the sport and realize that, but um, I think also the sport feeds that every single year um, just because of the competitive environment. I agree. And every day is different. Every day is different. Actually, that's one thing. Of course, this is like, again, from my scarred past. But one thing is for us, for both of those times, we had to play the third game, the if necessary game, the mm -hmm. same day as the second game. And I am of the belief that if you play the next day, it's more of an even, you know, because that team has too. the momentum. Yeah. So I sometimes I'm like, yeah, what would have happened? But you, I could do that forever. So that's not productive. But I, I have, I feel like I've seen more now that they are doing that on a third day, yes. a little bit more than we were back then. So I, I do appreciate that. I do too. I do too. I think I, I do feel like that you can't, um, there's the positive side of having the momentum and then there's the negative side of really dealing with a lot of things that people don't realize you go into day two as the winner you're you're thinking about how you know washing your clothes and what Oklahoma City is going to be like and then so you're not only dealing with just normal game momentum that you don't have but you're dealing with a lot of things swirling and all of a sudden somebody turned up the heat on yeah. you uh, you know, now it's for all the marbles and your advantage is out the door. So uh, I think there's a lot to deal with. And um, it's definitely a positive move to make it a three-day event. And why yeah. not? You know, why not? It's ridiculous. More days of softball. That's what, as a fan, that's what I want to. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Man. Yeah. I mean, the, it's, we've touched on all the big areas of elite softball, you know, the college, the pro Olympics, there's so many different aspects to our sport and to our community that um, it's exciting to talk about. And we could talk about it for hours. So <laughs> yes, <it's>, we could. <laughs> I appreciate that, that we've been able to, to do it for at least one, but if you kind of take all of this that we've discussed into consideration, but also all of your experience, which is a lot, <laughs> What are the biggest things that you feel like you've learned? And also, but the advice that you would give to women in sports and women in leadership as well? Um, you know, I think the good and the, the silver lining of the National Pro Fast Pitch League is, I think it's like anything. We're better at times for our losses. You know, it's like you, you, you cite it. You haven't cited the wins here in this. You've cited the losses. And, and, but it's, it, it sticks with you. It's something that, that you improve on. And in, in the league, it required of us, there were really three staff members at any time, and it required us to do a lot, to wear a lot of hats and to, to stick our toes in a lot of pools. 
And so I think uh, the experience, from the experience side, I, I appreciate that. Um, I, ex I appreciate the, the lessons that you learn um, from even before that with Club K of, of having your own business and knowing, you know, that you're, you're responsible for other people. And um, so I appreciate all of that. I think from a leadership standpoint, it's always important to, to raise people up. And I, I think that we learn that in teams. Hopefully we learn that in, when we play a team sport. Uh, but I think sometimes in the bigger, bigger scheme of things that um, that's lost for us and um, because we're struggling. And I think that sometimes it's viewed that you can't, you can't elevate yourself and someone else at the same time, that it's, it's, it's an us or them. Um, it's a them or me. And so uh, I, I would just tell people it's not. Um, I think that um, it's a lot more, uh, it's a lot less stressful and it's a lot more rewarding um, to hold your hands out and to work together. And that's, that's where we came from as a team sport and, um, and you share a lot more joy that way. So I think that, and I think the question about what to tell people um, is to get experience. So I'll, I'll tell you broadcasting because all of a sudden, um, you know, when you're a broadcaster, you read player bios all the time. And what we saw morph into player bios through, a, you know, modern life, we started to see forensics, people that wanted to be into forensics. Yes. You know? so I've noticed that. Television, right? Mm -hmm. uh, it, we didn't even, when I was, you know, 15. I, I didn't even know forensics. So, you know, but now it's in, it's cool. It looks fun. Um, and then broadcasting that we never would have seen before. Like, what do you want to be? I want to be a broadcaster. I want to be Holly Rowe. Um, so I tell people in whatever you're talking about is to, to get experience and don't be too proud um, to do any of it. You know, my, my nephew is going to call a whole bunch of uh, men's basketball games on uh, ESPN this year. Awesome. And uh, he's, he's young to be doing that. But I can tell you that um, I had him on a crew with NPF making zero money and pulling cable till midnight. Yeah. And I think that's going to help him be a better broadcaster because he knows what he knows what each one of those aspects entails and he appreciates the work those people are doing to put it on air um a lot of those people are more important than the person that you know wanders in there and sits in the chair and puts a headset on so i think i try to tell people don't be too proud to get your hands dirty and learn every aspect of it because uh whether it's broadcasting or sport management or anything, um, those experiences are going to be what you really tap into uh, later on. Not just the network, not just the people, but to, to truly understand what goes into something and appreciate it. You know, if you've ever called for a, a replay, um, you know, you're enjoying the softball game, not because of the commentator, but if, if you just saw the replay four times and from every angle, that's the director. Tip your hat to that guy or that gal because you, you don't see it without them. And yeah. so I think that, um, you know, just to have that appreciation and uh, the experience too. And in college, 
you get a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, don't, don't miss those opportunities just because you want to sit in the big chair. Um, that'll come in time. So I think, I think all of that is important for, for young people to, to understand. Yeah, I think these are all great points. And I also appreciate too, like I'll see you, for example, tweet your support that Kim Ng became the first GM ever in the MLB or that Jessica Mendoza was the first female to call a World Series game, right? That support as well, to your point, putting your hand out and bringing people in versus, you know, trying to compete. That example of that is important. And I feel like that's something that women are getting better at. I think we can do even more to, to kind of elevate each other. But Well, I will, I will say this about, uh, about that. When I first started teaching pitching, I was very, um, very private. I was having a lot of success with players, and I was very, uh, I kept everything close to the vest. And I thought that if I didn't do that, that, um, you know, that everybody was competition. And then I got to a point in the business where I was turning a lot of people away. And I didn't like that. That wasn't a good feeling that. And so I started an instructor program, an instructor training program, where I don't care if you were a dad or a mom, or if you were a a, a former pitcher, we talked about, you know, I, I just laid it all out there. Everything I knew, every drill I had, we brought those folks in and taught it to them. And I'm going to tell you something, that was a moment for me. That was a crossover moment for me because I was enabling other people to go out and make people better. And I, and, and I had that feeling. So that's, you know, maybe it comes with time and I'm lucky it came to me, but it was confidence that was the difference between Jerry Kemp that was, I don't want you to see, this is just my stuff here, to the Sherry Kemp that was like, here, here, let me help you help them. Right. And so uh, I think I see that with people today, that it's, it's insecurity and it's a lack of confidence that makes you feel like you can't be as open and, and uh, overt with uh, sharing information and making people better. Yeah, no, that's, that's interesting. And it's a good point because I think that's the narrative that we're maybe told as, especially as women, when we're, as we're coming up and whatever it is we're trying to do, but as to your point, as you learn and you actually experience things change and you realize, oh, we're better together. So I think that's a really good call out. Yeah. Well, on that note, um, I wanted to wrap with a little game and I do this with every guest. All it's right. very easy. Don't worry. No pressure. Some, people, some of the players get a little nervous. They're like, oh no. Okay. <laughs> and I'm like, no, I swear. It's fine. <laughs> it's fun. But it's, uh, it's called safer out. And basically I'll just bring up a topic. And if you like it or you agree with it, you'll call it safe. If you don't like it or you don't agree with it, you'll call it out. Does that okay. make sense? Yes, it does. Okay. It is so, easy. So far. yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. So the first one is having multiple pro softball leagues in the U.S. Safe or out? Safe. I think we all do that based on our conversation, but (laughs) just wanted the confirmation. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, with that being said, too, working together with international pro softball leagues or learning from each other, safe or out? Safe. Yeah. 
Is that something that you got, you have done in depth yet to this point, or is that something that Athletes Unlimited is going to do, or anything like that? Uh, you know, I've said it, said it for years. Actually, I, I was criticized a lot when we brought China into the league. Um, and here's what I said: If you don't care about softball on a global scale, then you don't really care about softball, yeah. because that's the security in the Olympics. Is if a whole bunch of people can play, not if if the United States is super good. At right. it. So, um, and I think, you know, again, that's holding your hands out, but, um, but I think, uh, I think we should all care about making sure we want as many little girls to dream about playing softball and to want to sleep with their glove as we can possibly get, right? We don't care if it's just Americans. That's a, that's very short-sighted. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. All right. Well, so a couple of safes then so far. Yes. The last one is, and this is a little bit of a loaded one, but bat flips. Safer. Safe. 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 All right. I love a bat flip. Listen, I got to tell you this. So uh, Sam Shaw, in, in the year that she was, uh, you know, at Oklahoma State and became popular for the bat flip, uh, I just kept hoping that I would get a game and be able to see it in person. And I'm not that person. Like I can go in downtown Nashville and see Dolly Parton or Reba McIntyre and not get super crazy. I can yeah. just go about my life. Um, I don't have to run up to them. But I seriously want, I, I just, I like, I like that. I like the show of excelling for, you know, some people right now are rolling their eyes going, of course you do. Um, <laughs> But I, I love the moments. And so when she started that, and there was, it was so controversial and so many great yeah. players saying, act like you've been there and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But I was kind of, you know, let's see the <laughs> next one, you know? So anyway, I did get to go to Oklahoma State and I did get to see her bat flip in person. And I, I did hit my uh, uh, mute button and kind of give it a fist pump because it was a lot of fun. It is. And, you know, I've asked a lot of people this because like you said, it's controversial. So I, I like to know, you know, what people think. Most of the pitchers, of course, are like out, you know, right away. <laughs> the hitters are more open. But sometimes even like Kat and Danielle Lori said they're like, I, I understand, like they've both talked to Sam Shaw about it too. And like, they understand it more. Like she's like, well, I only do it when I really feel that, like it's authentic. I'm not like doing it for a, a show. You know, it's like, if it was a really big moment, like, and I just feel it, that's just my passion coming out, but it's not something like, you know, it's not forced. Yeah. And they both told her, I think they both are also like, well, I would, you know, expect one in the ribs and the next at bat kind of thing. <laughs> but, you know, that's the game at the same time. Like, that's the game. So yeah, I appreciate yeah, that. Sure. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining. I mean, three safes. So you loaded the bases. Wow. I don't know if that's ever happened. That might be a Big first. Hit. <laughs> <Big hit coming. laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again for joining. This was awesome. I, I really appreciated it. I mean, we got to talk about so much stuff. We could, again, we could keep talking forever, but this was really, really fun. And I'm excited for the listeners. Well, thank you for doing it. I appreciate it, Jenna. Yeah, of course. Man, I loved getting to talk to Sherry. Like she just has so much experience across the entire softball world. And as we've talked about with other guests in the past too, like Kayla Lombardo mentioned, you know, the pro leagues don't really get enough love, especially for the high caliber of play that they have. And then also college softball and the international scene, like they really do all work together. 
So getting to hear from somebody and speak with somebody that knows all of it really intimately was pretty cool. So with that being said, we'll transition now into the foul tip of the week. Again, new segment, really excited about it. And let's just get to it. So this week's foul tip is roll with the punches. It sounds simple, but if last year has taught us anything, it's this. I mean, you can't control a lot, so just roll with it and make adjustments as you go. And honestly, maybe lighten up while you're at it. I wish I would have done that more. And not just on the field, but in your life as well. For example, I remember when I was a freshman in high school, it was picture day for the softball team. And there were a ton of seniors on the team, only a couple of freshmen. And I was one of them. I had to go to the bathroom and the closest one was at the football stadium that was up this hill. So I ran up the hill, did what I had to do. And then when I started walking back down to the softball field, the whole team was yelling my name because they were waiting for me to take the picture. They were ready. So I start running faster down the hill. I don't want to be that freshman that makes everybody late, right? But then I trip and I eat it right there in right field. There were dirt and grass stains all on the front of my uniform, a couple of scrapes, and the entire team was laughing at me. Maybe even some other people looking down from the hill as well. The parking lot wasn't far away. There's probably a lot more people that saw it. But you know, if in that kind of situation, it's like, what was I supposed to do? I laughed it off. I got up, brushed the dirt off, and I posed for the freaking picture. It became a funny story and maybe even helped me bond with the older girls on my team. I mean, come on, perfection's the enemy anyway. Nobody can relate to perfection. It's silly. Things happen. You just got to go with it, whether it's picture day, a tough game in 115 degrees, or a pitcher who's just got your number. Just go with it. So that's it. Roll with the punches. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball, available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Believe.com, and wherever you listen, we got you. That now includes YouTube. So hit that subscribe button on all of them, rate the show, write a review, share, follow the show on Instagram and Twitter. Like I said, Believe in Softball, again, B-L-E-A-V. Also Believe in Softball on YouTube, hit us up there. And you can always, always reach out to me on Twitter at JennaBecerra01 and Instagram at JennaBecerra as well. So thank you so much for listening and catch you soon. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.